I'm a Liverpool fan. I root for shit that doesn't win all the time. <laughs> Didn't you guys just win like seven to one or something the other day? Yeah, but we're still like eighth in the league. It's tough. <laughs> Welcome to Blind Spotters, a movie podcast with some good normal chatting about the 95th Oscars. I'm Zach Pocklub. And I'm Amanda Luberto. And today we are previewing said Oscars. The Academy Awards are coming up. And we're going to answer some mailbag questions uh, and thoughts and submissions from you, our listeners. But first, Amanda, how are you doing? What have you been watching? I'm doing well. It's birthday week. Yeah, it is. Wish her a birthday. Yeah, wish me a good birthday. Very excited, having some good time. Uh, it's also uh, the week that Harkins puts all the movies back in the movie theater for the best picture. So it's also movie week. So I'm very excited about that. Um, what have I been watching? I did finally go back to the theater. I took a few weeks off just because I was so busy. Um, and I saw M. Night Shyamalan's movie Knock at the Cabin. It was fine, but I bet the book was better because as I was watching it, I was like, I bet this would be really good to read. So I don't know what that says about the movie, but the acting was like quite good. And I thought that Dave Bautista was really the standout performance in that movie. I think one could argue that Dave Bautista is already the best WWE superstar converted to actor. His competition isn't that stiff. It's like The Rock and John Cena. That's really it. And then Something and Someone, we've both been watching a lot of in the last few days is one Maggie Rogers. We both got to see her live in two different places in the last few days. The Feral Joy Tour. What a, what a, just a special spectacle. What a special performer. I flew to San Diego to see her. I got to be on the barricade, which was lit. I was like 15 feet from her. We were like maybe three or four rows back, like pretty close for not having like camped out there all day. Maggie, shouts to everything you do. I know you listen to the pod. Yeah, big fan. How are you? What have you been watching? I'm good. Uh, I've been busy, just did a little bit of traveling, um, a good amount of TV watching too. So my movie watching has been a little slower. I said as much in our group chat and you guys kind of flamed me for watching a normal amount of movies. But a couple of movies I have watched uh, recently, I watched Party Girl, which is a 1995 indie with uh, Queen of the Indies herself, Parker Posey. Uh, this movie is a vibe. A fun fact about it is it's the first movie to premiere on the internet. Um, it was a fun movie. Would recommend. It's on Criterion and Peacock right now. And then I watched Emily, which is that either 2022 or 2023 movie about like a fictional or semi-fictional telling about Emily Dickinson before she writes Wuthering Heights. It stars Emma Mackey from Sex Education and Death on the Nile and She Will Be in Barbie. Um, it's a little weird and funky and kind of all over the place, but it's really enjoyable in the sense that Emma Mackey's really good. And um, some people believe it's a good entry into the hot priest cinematic universe. So take that <laughs> as you will. That's what we've been watching. But um, let's not waste any more time. You know, we uh, we put the ask out on socials. We asked our listeners and friends to submit some questions, takes and thoughts on the upcoming Oscars. Um, just like last year, we kind of let the mailbag steer our discussion um, before we get into some other categories. So you ready to open up the mailbag? Let's do it. Let's start with some general questions. Yeah. First up from Madison Price. Shout out Price. Her question is, what are some strengths and weaknesses of this year's nominees compared to last year's? Which category of nominees are you most satisfied or dissatisfied with? Good question, Matt Price. Amanda, why don't you start? 
I think that the strength of this year's nominees compared to last is that there just seems to be more movies that people have seen that are nominated. Um, I'm having conversations with people who aren't like hardcore movie fans, but are like, I enjoy movies. I try to see movies. And that's the extent of it. Who have seen like a good number of the movies that are nominated this year. So I think that's like a really great strength of uh, the 2023 Oscars, obviously having things like Top Gun Maverick and Avatar in the Best Picture nomination like really helps with those sorts of things. Some weaknesses to me is that there were like some really glaring people and movies that were left out and some really glaring people and movies that were included. And it just was like very dizzying to see the nominees, I thought, this year than ever before. What do you think? What are some strengths and weaknesses you've noticed? Yeah, I think that's a fair um, evaluation, I guess, of it. But I do agree that um, this year's films also have the advantage of there. Ha- it's further away from the pandemic, and so movie theaters were more open, and and studios were apparently releasing more movies in theaters, even if in uh, August there was like no new movies in theaters. But if you look back at the at last year's Oscars, the Oscars before that, and you look at the crop of movies that are really discussed and included it was kind of hard to see a good amount of them or they were on um, streamers like Netflix or Apple TV plus, or there was a day and date release on HBO max. Whereas this one, there are a good chunk of, there's a good balance of everything where a lot of the favorites were in the movie theaters and also were hits in movie theaters. Um, So I think there's a better spread of things in that sense. And we'll talk about kind of the major crop in terms of the best picture nominees versus past years in a little bit but like on the whole and maybe this is because the movies i like are the ones that are favored um i'm pretty happy with it to get to madison's second part what's a category that you are most satisfied with and then most dissatisfied with the best animated feature film is rock solid we both have that as like our most satisfied section yeah so that one is uh guillermo del toro's pinocchio marcel the show with the shoes on puss in boots the last wish the sea beast and turning red um, and I really think that that's a nice spread of types of animation, types of animated storytelling, and and honestly, just movies I've really enjoyed because I watched the Sea Beast on Netflix just on a whim and really enjoyed it. I love How to Train Your Sea Beast, you know? <laughs> Puss in Boots, The Last Wish was my biggest surprise of 2022, honestly, and Marcel the Shell might be the sweetest movie of the year. So, and Turning Red is a movie that I loved more than all of yeah. them as far as animated films go. So. Um, I I really was happy with all that were included there. I included animated as well because of everything you just said and what we discussed. But I also wanted to give a nod to original screenplay. I think there's a lot of really good options this year. Out of the five nominees, like four of them really have a solid chance of winning and could be it could be any of them. And I think that's great to see. The uh, category I am least satisfied with um, is going to be best actress. And it's not that I think that there were a lot of poor actress performances this year. We've actually discussed, especially on our end of the year pod, how many good female performances there were this year. But just seeing Anna de Armas and Andrea Riseborough both nominated in Best Actress was really surprising, but also frustrating because there's so many other good female performances this year that could have deserved those spots instead and made it a more balanced year. But you know, I'm not in the I'm not in the academy, so they didn't ask me. I, I think those two nominations, for a multitude of reasons, are the biggest glaring point of like an older academy. 
yeah still coming through because if you look across the board like this is a really diverse um like diverse in both like the profile of the nominees and diverse in terms of like the genre of movies and, the, and the, that's not against those performances those are great but those are oscar bait and and the academy bit on those two the hardest i think um but we also have like viola davis playing like a warrior woman in a movie that's like very entertaining yeah. Like that also feels like Oscar bait. And I really don't understand why that was not in consideration. And I was just really shocked to see her not get it and Ana Darmas get it. Yeah. And I think if you think about the profile of the performances, you know, Ana Darmas and Andrea Riseborough are, again, playing women who are going through it. Yeah. And they were nominated over Danielle Deadweiler playing. A character until who is a woman going through it and like having to stay strong and all the parts that come with her her performance until and like you would have liked to, to see the academy recognize that kind of performance and that kind of movie over the ones that they did um but i don't know if we'll ever get a perfect slate of nominees at least um in the next couple of years we're getting closer i think um it's getting okay because like, cause you, you need the banter, too. You need the you need the random shit in there that's like, how did X get in there? Or why is Don't Look Up um, in these nominees and, and stuff like that. So why don't you read our next submission? Raiden King asked, plenty of snubs that he could bring up. He's still not over Daniel Detweiler not being a, a Best Actress nominee. Or Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio not getting original song. And Batman not even making the shortlist for original score. So what are the snubs that we are really frustrated over and considering zach let's start with you yeah thanks brandon for that question good shout on batman's score not getting um a little bit more recognition because that score is probably like the best part of a pretty good movie we gotta have similar notes on snubs this year and mine is rrr in everything that it could have been nominated in like it, it got the the song nomination but i do think it could have gotten um, editing or score and or a couple acting nominations or any of the below the line categories because it is such a maximalist type of movie and then all that said I would have loved for it to have gotten an international feature and or best picture nominee uh, or nomination because it was really uh, like a word of mouth sensation the way that some of these other films were as well and um, it would have been really cool to add to the worldliness of the Academy Awards and not let it just be like an in party that it usually is and include a movie like RRR. What about you? Yeah, I was thinking about your the the Batman comment. Uh, it's from Michael Giacchino, who is a little hit or miss, but to me, I'm so biased because he did all of the score for all of the seasons of Lost and he really like hits hard with me, but different movie, same gripe. Nope, having no Oscar nominations is so wild to me. Yeah. Sound, visual effects, editing, best actor, best actress, best original screenplay, best picture, like best director. Like, why is it not in any of these categories? Honestly, visual effects and sound at minimum, it should be considered in because it was like the spectacle of the summer to go see this movie in a theater. And it's just very upsetting. Not to single out movies for our uh, frustration and anger, but like Avatar did eat up, I think, where Nope could have been. A lot. Because it was a technically brilliant blockbuster. Um, Yeah. And Big Jim, man, fucking things up. 
I also think that I talked about this earlier, but I, I think that people are still having a really hard time separating anything that Jordan Peele makes from Get Out. Mm-hmm. And they saw this movie and was like, well, it's not as good as Get Out. And it didn't get as, as many nominations, despite it just being a completely different film in a completely different genre of film. And I hope that he's able to like grow out of that expectation that people have for him because I still think he's a brilliant movie creator and uh, I hope the rest of his movies continue go back to getting a lot of nominations fortunately and unfortunately Jordan Peele is already on the track to go on like he releases his seventh movie and it's like pretty good but we look up and it's been 20 years of Jordan Peele and we're like oh shit he doesn't have a nomination or a or a win in you know best picture best director best whatever um, he doesn't yeah. have it at the time. He doesn't have it. And then we'll retroactively give him a makeup Oscar or something like that. It's so wild that Nope didn't get any love. It's so unfortunate. Even like it is a quieter performance from Daniel Kaluuya. And I'm really biased toward Daniel Kaluuya. But I think he is really gravi- like his gravitational pull in the movie is amazing. As is Kiki Palmer's like outward extrovert and, and like just oozing with charm type performance that she gives we don't have a category where it can be like best chemistry between two characters, but it would be probably them. <laughs> Most believable relationship between two people. <laughs> like like that is a sad brother and sister. You can't tell me differently. But since I kind of brought up uh, the acting categories, let's move on to our next question um, from Joe Setley. Joe said, your take on great acting performances in bad movies. Didn't like Elvis or blonde, but it's hard to deny the performances of Austin Butler and Ana de Armas. Joe, good question. Great job by you. We've already kind of talked about this a little bit, but um, why don't you kind of break down the haggard dynamic that is biopics and their domination of acting categories? I'm actually going to like expand it out past biopics and just say like Joe's example were two biopics, but there are definitely like great performances like Brendan Fraser in movies that people really don't like, like The Whale. Um, <laughs> I think it's really hard because... Uh, a, a good performance in a good movie can feel good, but a great a good performance in a terrible movie can feel great because you're like, wow, that person's really dynamic and I'm still interested in what happens to that character despite the fact I don't want to be watching this movie anymore. So I don't know, but then like, does that character and that performance stand out if the movie is also great or does it sort of get muted? I'm not sure because we don't have that version of the whale. So it's tough. I'm not really sure like where I stand on this, but I do think about it a lot of was that actually a great performance or is this just a bad movie and that was a good performance? I come from a sports background, so it makes me think of um, a guy who has great stats on a bad team and it's like, do they deserve, uh, you know, all-star recognition or like to be nominated to the all-league teams at the end of the year? In sports, it's like, all right, if you're that good, you would be winning more, right? Um, and are you putting up stats to the detriment of your team or is this movie, um, serving the actor and like allowing them to flex their different muscles at the cost of like a coherent, good, enjoyable movie. And I think sometimes that is the case, right? Where there are films where they allow the actor to kind of take over to the detriment of the story or the film more often than not, the great performance in a bad movie is a established Hollywood presence and so they have that benefit of, of, of the doubt given to them and then it takes away from like a pretty good performance in 
like a good movie. Like I would have loved to see like Lashana Lynch get in there for best supporting actor because she's really good in um, The Woman King. But it's it's just it's just hard to really parse the differences. I wish I liked every single movie that got nominated in that category, right? Like I I would love to be able to watch these movies more than once. But I think whenever it comes to Oscar season and it's like, all right, I got to watch these movies that I've missed to check out the best actor and actresses performances. Those are where I really feel the most like it's homework as opposed to like the screenplay categories or or best picture nominees. So it's a tough one. Yeah, I agree. All right. So our friend Drew submitted a question here. It says, I don't think I am saying anything smart here, but I do have a hot take. And she says, I'm so scared for Zach to see this uh, because she knew... (laughs) That you liked it so much. I did not like Tar. It was a little too pretentious for its own good, not only with a smug dialogue, but the length of the movie as well. We did not need a movie almost three hours long, but a harasser's slow fall from grace. Not to say that I don't think Kate did a great job acting, but the story felt like it had no direction at times, and there were moments I thought it was going to end, and it didn't, like when she retreats back home and we find out her real name. And for a movie about a conductor, I was really excited to see those scenes, but it felt like it took a while for those to pop up in the movie. So, Zach, this is one of your favorite movies of the year and one of your favorite performances. So why don't we start with what you have to think about Drew's hot take here? All right. So, Drew, you're wrong. No, I'm kidding. I I don't know where. (laughs) Drew, thanks for listening. You're canceled. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't know where we got to the point where I'm like the intimidating movie opinion guy. I, I think those are all fair and well-taken points. Like it is a movie that's long. It is a movie um, where the plot doesn't really reveal itself at all. And then all of a sudden it does and it speeds past those plot developments. But I do think in a way, in terms of like the pretentiousness and the self-seriousness of it is the point. I, I think this movie is funnier than um maybe it's profiled as and i do think you're supposed to be laughing at lydia tar and at the world of like conducting a little bit as well and it kind of takes a knife's edge toward like this hoity-toity elitist society that this movie is kind of like letting you see into so when the turn comes i don't think you're supposed to feel bad for her at all i think you're supposed to be not happy but like you're gonna sit in the comeuppance and see what it's like for this person whose life is falling apart and I think if you're, you were fooled into rooting for her, not fooled, if you were pulled into rooting for her because of Kate Blanchett's performance and the way she was um, kind of framed in the film, then you feel like the rug's being pulled out under you. But if you are watching it and you're kind of having that icky feeling of like, Lydia Tarr kind of sucks. Like she's kind of, she kind of got bad vibes. Then you just have like, then you're confirmed. Then you're like, oh, I was right. Um, and this movie's going to, prove that was right and, and pay it off um so th- that's why i like it and, and that's why i think it's one of the better movies of the year but um i also am not like stone cold lead pipe locked into that opinion um and i appreciate everyone's opinions against it i i agree i do think it's a little long like make your movies fucking shorter i'm so tired the time is the thing you cannot start without lydia tar I do go back to the actors on actors that I watched with Kate Blanchett, where she mentioned that originally the movie was from the perspective of a, a male conductor. And she basically told the writers, like, that is not how this movie should be made. Like, that's not an interesting story. And I think that that is 
correct. And I think that if this was a male character, I would feel a lot more probably like Drew does. But I think that it being just like a different look on quote unquote cancel culture or whatever and like really criticizing the way people handle their abusive power um i think is really interesting i think that it's really good i think that it being too pretentious is the joke like i think that that's the joke it plays on itself i think that it is funnier than people are giving it credit for but i am not in the like hive of this was the best movie that's ever been created in the last like 25 years that's a fair point as well i just think lydia tar is a monster it's a villain's movie like it's not an anti-hero it's not um, a difficult man slash woman type story it's you're watching a, a a villain and a destruction of that villain's life and because the movie is titled after the main character's name and Kate blanchett is Kate blanchett um you're predisposed to be like, I'm rooting for this person. But what the movie says is like, no, this person's terrible. You can argue with yourself and be like, I'm rooting for Lydia Tarr still, but no, she's a terrible person and deserves everything that's coming to her. That's where I really enjoy the movie. Um, even though I don't think I'm that cynical person or that um, kind of <laughs> revenge-minded, but I thought it was just well-made. But again, every everybody can have their opinion that as long as it's like well thought out and not just shitting on other people, which is not what Drew is doing. So, um, Drew, you don't need to be scared of sharing your opinions with me on movies. I appreciate everybody uh, telling me what they like or did not like about a film because then I can watch it in a new way and figure out if my opinion um, needs shifting. Okay, let's go into the supporting categories for both actor and actress. Uh, Zach, what is our next question from Bo? Shout out to Bo. Shout out to Bo. Bo asked, what are both your thoughts on the best supporting actor and actress race? I would think Kihi Kwan and Jamie Lee Curtis are the front runners, but do we have any sleepers? Bo, thank you for that question. And I'm going to take it first. So I don't think Jamie Lee Curtis is like the clear front runner in Best Supporting Actress, just based on the Guild Awards. It's been a lot of Angela Bassett. You know, a lot of, of the pre-Oscar shows are saying Angela Bassett did the thing. Uh, so she's my kind of front runner in that uh, category. I do think Kihi Kwan is the front runner in Best Supporting Actor. He keeps giving like great speeches, and I can't believe he keeps having more great speeches to say. But I do think there's a sneaky Barry Keown hive in there for uh, his performance in Banshees of Inisherin. I do think it's an excellent performance. He's gotten some some looks from uh, I think he got a BAFTA, and I, I think he got recognized at another one. But um, he's kind of the one that I think is uh, maybe an Academy darling in the making. I love him. He's so talented. I think that the Jamie Lee Curtis front runnership has really ebbed and flowed. I think for a while sh- she was pretty clear, especially with like the last scene that she's in uh, with Michelle Yeoh. That one really like cemented it for a lot of people. Then she was sort of sort of went away for a bit. And then as the running really started happening, she kind of came back for a bit. I was hearing more about like that she had it pretty much locked in. But I would be really shocked if she wins over some of these other people. We've got Hong Chow in The Whale. We've got Carrie Condon in Banshees of Inishiran, Stephanie Hsu, and Jimmy Lee Curtis, both in Everything Everywhere, and then Angela Bassett in Black Panther. Man, in my whole heart, I want it to be Stephanie Hsu, but I just know it's not going to happen, unfortunately. But I think this, the sleeper for Best Supporting Actress is actually Carrie Condon. I think mm-hmm. that there's a lot of love for Banshees, especially from the 
Academy and a lot of love for that movie in general. I'm not sure where else it might win because of how good the other categories are where it is nominated. I do think that Barry Keown has a chance, but but also Brendan Gleeson is in that category. They might cancel each other out, which is, would be tragic. Um, but also, I think that like Kiki Kwan like has that like in lock. So I also don't think that's like even an option. So I could really see like that being the place that Banshees gets its flowers is in Best Supporting Actress. If you watch the movie again, like dial into her. She's so good. She is like the heart. She's sort of the glue of the whole movie. I really loved Carrie Condon's performance. I, I do like the Carrie Condon shout. Um, she she does give a good good performance, and it's sneaky in there. I do think if if one of the Banshees guys wins in supporting actor and or Carrie Condon wins over Angela Bassett, like we might be heading toward a Banshee's best picture type of night. Um, so pay attention to those races when they come. But I think that Angela Bassett and Kiki Kwan are pretty clear at this point, unless the Academy does some Academy shit. Let's go to our next question. So this is uh, best animated feature, a section that you and I both think is an extremely strong um, category this year. Joe Sutley wanted to know our takes on the best animated feature. feels like this category is super stacked and feels like it can go in any direction. And that's basically, we agree. Like, I think that every single movie is really good this year. I saw all of them but Puss in Boots, but I've only heard rave reviews about Puss in Boots. Um, And I've only not seen it because I haven't had any time. Not that I'm actively not seeing it. Something I noticed when I was looking at it was that every movie came from like a big name studio. So they're all sort of at like an even playing field. It's not like one is significantly smaller or independent and doesn't really have a chance to win against like Pixar or DreamWorks or anything like that. Like they all kind of came from a big studio. I think A24 might be the smallest studio and they're like an Oscars darling. Like we said earlier, love this category, love the diversity of stories and storytelling that is in it and diversity of animation styles. I particularly love the fact that Turning Red is nominated over Lightyear, it, despite the fact that it didn't get a uh, theatrical release. And oh my like, God, I forgot it, Lightyear even happened this year. <laughs> yeah, many people did, uh, unless they have kids. But uh, I hope I'm hoping Turning Red wins. Um, I, I I really love um, a lot about that film and what that film had to say and do, and the music in the movie slaps, and the director has been giving a really charming press tour um, lately. So, do you want to get your Pinocchio take off now? Okay, so my Pinocchio take is that the movie is really good. I In my like little Twitter review that I did is that I really love the animation style, which is probably why it's nominated in Best Animated Future. But that's just like a movie that did not need to be a musical. There's one song in there that I think is solid. The rest of them are quite obnoxious. And I actually wish I could skip through them. If I ever watch it again, I probably will. Like as I was watching it, I was like actively thinking to myself i wish this song wasn't playing right now (laughs) damn tough um tough tough but the animation style really stuck out and that one song el papa also stuck out and that's it (laughs) let's move on to our next uh next submission from one cameron neely shout out to um don neleone himself hi cam cam said EO in Best International Film is probably the best looking movie I saw in this Oscar group. 
pretty gripping story that isn't something you see every week. For those that don't know, EO is a film that is uh, from Poland, and it's about a donkey and a donkey's life, basically. Um, this is a film I have not finished yet. It just got onto the Criterion channel, I think, a couple weeks ago, um, so I do need to finish it. Um, it is beautiful. Um, I, I do think it's a film that um, you could watch on silent and and pretty much appreciate the visuals of it all. Um, but have you had a chance to watch EO yet? EO's still on my to-watch list. Uh, I was commenting to you before we started recording that um, last year and maybe the last few years, I feel like I really watched a lot of the international feature films, but I didn't get a chance to see pretty much all of them this year. I did see All Quiet on the Western Front, which is out of Germany, but I missed Argentina 1985, Close, EO, and The Quiet Girl, which are all the other nominations. So um, I'm really in the dark with this category as far as like who might win or who could win. Um, I do think it's going to be All Quiet just because it also did bump up to the Best Picture nominee, but it would be fun to see it go to something that maybe hasn't been recognized as much or talked about as much. That brings us to Cam's second point, which is he said, All Quiet on the Western Front might be in my top three to four favorites of the year. Goes back and forth between being large and small in scale. The score rips, and I hope it wins best score. I would not be mad at all if it boxes out Avatar from all the technical awards they're matched up in. Um, You've watched All Quiet, though, right? Yeah, I really liked it. It was the first movie I watched in 2023, actually, so it's at the top of my Twitter thread. I think Cam's like totally on it when it comes to best score and how just like visually gripping it is um, being, as he says, in both like large scale and then small scale and back and forth. Um, I think it's pretty much a shoe in to win best international just because of that best picture nominee. Yeah. Yeah. I do think one um, when we I forgot to mention it in snubs, so I guess it got snubbed from snubs, but <laughs> uh, Decision to Leave is a movie yeah. that um, is really uh, beautiful isn't the right word, but um, striking, I think. And it's a film that I thought would have definitely gotten nominated in Best International Feature for as critically lauded as it was um, coming out of 2022, but it did not get recognized um, by the Academy and obviously did not get the nomination for Best Picture either. So um, that's another film that um, even on the outside of the circle looking in was a good uh, good entry into the International Feature shortlist, I guess. Let's keep it trucking along. Our good friend Brandon King is back at it again with a question about original screenplay. This is a category I'm most excited to talk about, to be completely honest. Okay, so uh, Brandon asks, who do we have for original screenplay? Uh, He said, I feel like the love for Martin McDonough and Banshees could give them the one advantage over everything everywhere all at once for the night. So you're excited to talk about this. Why don't you start? The best original screenplay category, you've got Banshees of Inishirin, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, and Triangle of Sadness. And really, this is another section where if it went to Banshees, Everything Everywhere, Fablemans, or Tar, I would not be surprised. I think these are, like, some of the sections these movies could really win in, um, specifically Fablemans and Tar. I think that if Michelle Yeoh gets it over Kate Blanchett. They might do screenplay for Tar to give Tar its flowers because the Academy really loved that movie. Um, I think that if Steven Spielberg gets overlooked for director, Fablemans has a really good chance of winning. It is probably his best written film in a really long time that's original. I know that him and Tony Kushner did a lot of the rewriting of 
uh, West Side Story, but that is an adaptation. Um, it's his best written film in a really long time. And so those two, I think, can't really be l- counted out yet. Um, I would love to see it go to Banshees just because I really loved that movie, as I <laughs> said a million times now. Um, and especially since uh, Mark McDonough hasn't won um, an Oscar yet. And I think that this is one of the the best screenplays he's written. I think Everything Everywhere might be a little too flashy for it for the uh, Academy to consider it for screenplay. Um, even though, as we said on our 2022 pod, like it's so tender, like the parts that are the written screenplay the conversations, like those are the parts that stick with you and hit you in the heart. So it really, like it could go anywhere, which is crazy. But I do think that this is where they're going to give it to Banshees. Um, I don't think that they're going to get any of the acting categories. Unfortunately, I don't think that it's going to win Best Picture. So this is probably where they're going to remedy that uh, balance, I guess. Yeah. That's very fair. I I do think Banshees has the slight upper hand in terms of um, Martin McDonough is well liked by the Academy. Like you said, it's very tightly written. Um, It's uh, even though it's sad, it's also sweet and humorous. Um, And and yeah, it's not as flashy as everything everywhere all at once. But like you said, I think the characterizations, the balance, the humor, the um, world building of everything everywhere. are a credit to the screenplay, right? And so I think it's really just a pick your... I think it's between those two. I think a lot of these categories are go- are going to be between these two movies. And if Banshees takes this one, that's where I start to get nervous for my personal, like, I hope everything everywhere all at once wins best picture um, kind of stock. Oh, uh, interesting. I would say it's the opposite, that if it wins screenplay, it won't win best picture. Um, I think there's less splitting. Um, okay. That's and so fair. especially in a category where like if, if Kihi Kwan doesn't win best supporting actor or, um, if Carrie Condon does win best supporting actress or if, you know, Brendan Gleeson wins best supporting actor. Okay. Those are different, but like screenplays, that's, I feel like that's where you get closer and closer to the movie as a whole especially yeah. a movie as written as Banshees. Like if somebody loves Banshees screenplay, they probably love Banshees the most in the best picture crop. Um, That's true. I just feel like this could be the Academy's way of basically giving both of them best picture is like giving one screenplay and one best picture. I think best original screenplay often is like the cool kids category. It's where the movie I usually enjoy the most gets recognized. And it would be cool if they spread the awards out. Like if, you know, they give McDonough a screenplay, they give Spielberg best director and then everything everywhere um, uh, best picture. But I, I don't think those movies are necessarily close enough in style to necessitate that. I think the person who loves Fablemans is going to be a bit different than the person who loves everything everywhere is going to be a bit different than Banshees. And we're, we've already been talking a bit about the best picture race. Um, let's so get let's into just it. Get into a few of those questions there. Our first from Jose Young's. Um, from MMA Fighting and the Anything But Fighting podcast that I featured on that preview uh, pod this year with Joe Benavides. Thanks for having me on and thanks for submitting this question. Jose asks, how do you think this crop of Best Picture noms compares to the last five years? Better? Worse? So-so? 
I'm really glad that Jose asked this question because I was going to ask you this question um, in writing the outline. So let's just start with what the best picture nominees are for this year for the people listening. All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inishirin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. Um, so those are our options. I think that this year is a little so-so. I think there's some really high highlights. I mean, I will probably be talking about some of these movies for years to come. Um, and I think that there are some that are really kind of confusing as to why they were nominated at all. I think that that like stretching to get the 10 sometimes can like hurt the nominee uh, section. But we looked over the last five years and this sort of seems on par with how things have been going. When you take a look at the last five years in particular, um, you and I both agree that 2020 was probably our strongest year for Best Picture nominees. In that year, we had 1917, Ford vs. Ferrari, Joker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, The Irishman, Marriage Story, Jojo Rabbit, and Little Women. And I mean, for Joker probably to be the most frustrating movie to be nominated in that section, that's still like a well-made movie, even if I didn't love everything that came with it those are all like pretty solid films even the irishman's like maybe on the weaker side because of how many de-aging technology issues they had and the fact that it's like fucking three and a half hours long or whatever but it's still like a martin scorsese film featuring robert de niro like it's st- <laughs> it's still an incredible film so i think that that the 2020 year is probably our best year in the last five and um this year has again some really high highs and some pretty low lows i love this crop of movies and i've said this a few times now but i do think the balance is great you have um you have blockbusters like avatar and top gun um you have kind of indie darlings like everything everywhere and tar and women talking you have like european influence in there with triangle of sadness and all quiet on the western front um so i think there's a little bit of everything for everyone like even a movie like Elvis, which I didn't love at all. Like I know people really love Elvis because um, yeah. of the bag more for Baz Luhrmann. 2019's crop, which is the 2020 Oscars where Parasite won, uh, it's probably the top two or three best movie year of the century. Um, yeah. So it's going to be really, really hard to uh, usurp that. I mean, even just from the prestige of the filmmakers involved in that year, you know, Bong Joon-ho, Martin Scorsese, Taika Waititi, no Bombac, um, uh, Quentin Tarantino, Jesus Christ. I do think this year is probably the second best year in the last five. Uh, personally, like I, I don't love Avatar, but I think it's sick that they nominated a big movie like Avatar. Or I understand the complaints where you know if you watch the Academy Awards and the 2021 Oscars were tough because not a lot of people could see Nomadland or Minari or Promising Young Woman, but this year it's both populist and artistic and populist artistic um mm-hmm. so i i think after a couple of tough years where you know the movie industry was in a way where times it still is but because of the the covid19 pandemic and um real confusion about how to release movies um you know tom cruise flew in and said this is your savior speaking and uh we, we got some really great 
box office numbers this year. So that's why I think I'm I'm probably giving a little bit more credit to this year's crop of Best Picture nominees compared to its predecessors. But I do think in the last five years, it's like second or third best. That sort of brings us to Madison Price's last question, where she asks, if you could replace three Best Picture nominees with three different films, which ones would you pick? What are your swaps here? Yeah, so I'm going to take out Elvis, Triangle of Sadness, and All Quiet on the Western Front and put in um, RRR, After Sun, which is the Paul Mescal vehicle directed by Charlotte Wells. And then just for fun, uh, The Batman. I thought that movie was good. Um, so it'd be fun if uh, you get Robert Pattinson out on the red carpet um, and talking about pasta shapes. So um, that's where I'm at. What about you? I am also going to take out Elvis, um, but I'm also taking out Avatar and Women Talking. Um, we haven't talked much about women talking, but literally my first thought when I left was that was okay. Um, and it stars a bunch of women I love doing the thing I love to do the most, talk. <laughs> but <laughs> Famously. <laughs> Famously. Um, and Avatar I thought was good, but it was very overproduced, which is the point. It's like a blue world. Like I, Maybe I'm also not like understanding the... He created the, the ocean, Amanda. Yeah, but like, so did Finding Nemo. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We've already seen the ocean. Hi, what on. else can you do? It was like, it was nice. I enjoyed the movie. Spider, but... I'm kidding. Anyway, so the movies I would replace it with are is also RRR, which I still have not seen, but I've heard so much about it. And I've heard so many good things that I really wanted to see it. Um, in this nomination and with so much international presence in the last few years at the Academy, I really thought it might have had a better chance. Um, and then I'm also going to put After Yang and Bones and All, two movies we talked about in our 2022 review pod, um, as movies that I really liked. I thought that they both deliver like soft, meaningful performances, those sort of like artsy films that the Academy generally likes. It also features like some of our best actors of the moment um, and just sort of had Oscar written on it. And I was surprised to see that they both got like not a lot of recognition this year. And I would have liked to see a little bit more. I um, I appreciate you throwing After Yang in there. I kept it out despite it being my favorite year movie of 2022, just because I don't want that much of a spotlight on After Yang. Like, I don't, I don't want it to go through the ringer of of uh, discourse and and such. So, yeah. Um, but what if you put it in like the women talking section, where that movie's also not being talked about at all, but is at least forever nominated? No, because in in four years, it's like uh, After Yang. Nobody saw that one. You know. Oh, bummer. Yeah, true. No, I'm yeah. keeping it in still. Our <laughs> bones and all, and After Yang booting out Avatar, Elvis, and women talking. Let's go to our next submission, Eddie Felix, once again, asking us what has to happen for Top Gun Maverick to win Best Picture. All right, here's here, I'm gonna here's my Top Gun as an Oscar movie thought. Are you ready? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Tom Cruise didn't make this movie to win an Oscar. Tom Cruise like isn't interested in winning an Oscar. Tom Cruise is interested in dying, jumping out of a plane for a movie. Like what he's interested in is. Saving movie theaters, being the number one movie in the box office from Memorial Day to Labor Day, and having Steven Spielberg shake his hand and say, thank you for saving movies. Like, that is the Oscar for Top Gun Maverick, is like those three things. 
I don't think that like Tom Cruise is going to be like, wow, my movie failed because it didn't win Top Gun. It didn't win the Oscar. I don't think that I think Top Gun's already won all of the accolades that it needs by just being the most watched movie of the year. That's why I love the fact that it got nominated. Like, I love that we're back at a place where a, a movie that's really fucking fun and, and fucking rips uh, is a part of the 10 nominees alongside women talking. Really quickly, let's do our best picture ballots. Let's just rank them 1 to 10 in terms of how we would have voted if we were given a vote. Um, why don't you start? 10 to 1. I want you to go first. All right, fine. Um, all right, so 10 to 1, I have Triangle of Sadness at 10, number 9, Elvis, number 8, Avatar, The Way of Water, 7, All Quiet on the Western Front, number 6, Women Talking, number 5, The Fablemans, number 4, Banshees of Inishirin, number 3, Tar, number 2, Top Gun Maverick, and number 1, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I mean, like, this is just our ballot. Like, this is what I would like to see win. Um, and also just, like, I don't know. How, just, I, I like voting. I like ranking things. I, I even know like, I within, within these rankings, like they're different than my favorite movies of the year. Um, but I just kind of rank these according to what I would have, I would like to see be- win Best Picture, which I guess is how this is supposed to work. How about you? <laughs> this is my 10 to 1. 10, Triangle of Sadness. 9, Elvis. 8, Women Talking. 7, Avatar The Way of Water. 6, Top Gun Maverick. 5, All Quiet on the Western Front. Four, Tar, three, Banshees of Inishirin, two, The Fablemans, and one, Everything Everywhere, all at once. Let's do some wrap-ups. These are also some categories we did last year in our Oscars pod. Um, So let's start with our good friend, John from Guam, Jonathan Diego. He wants to know, have our attitudes toward the Oscars and award shows in general changed over time, especially since we started doing this podcast? Zach, what do you think? Um, I, I mean, yes, it, it just in terms of because we do this podcast and because I listen and consume movies and the movie industry at a higher volume, I have a different attitude towards the Oscars. Like I care about who wins. I do a little bit of hand wringing over who doesn't get nominated or who does win instead of the films that I am hoping for. Um, so there's a lot more, I don't want to say stress, but like uh, concern that comes with watching the Oscars now than maybe before where it was a very passive thing and um, I love the fact that I I know all the movies that are nominated and I understand you know what's kind of going on there um, but I think it's only enriched the experience I come from the school of the more you love something the more I think you're allowed to criticize it because you, you it, it, the best kind of criticism comes from like a place of love for the thing Um and so despite all the things that are wrong with the Academy and wrong with the Oscars, a lot more people now know who Bong Joon-ho is and are mm-hmm. have probably watched his movies. And a lot of people are going to learn um, who Barry Keown is and who Kihi Kwan is. And uh, like Criterion Channel just released a Michelle Yeoh um, collection. And so a lot of people are going to watch those films. Even Michelle Yeoh, who has like decades of great movies behind her, like the average movie watcher is going to know who she is now. I have even more optimism toward the Oscars each year for better or worse. What about you? Yeah, I I definitely agree, especially since we started doing this podcast. The Oscars is an award show that I remember watching every single year growing up. Like I was always really tuned into the Oscars. I think I just liked celebrity and movies and I 
you know, probably in 2006, didn't see every movie nominated because I knew it had been nominated. But I went to the movies a lot. Like my mom and I would go see movies. I saw a lot of oddly adult movies in the theaters because my mom wanted to go to see movies and I went with her. And um, but you're right. I'm so much more emotionally invested um, now that we're starting it. I do feel like it is not a homework assignment in a bad way, but like a fun challenge. Like, oh, there's a few movies that actually made it to Best Picture that I never considered seeing this year. I really got to make sure I I do see it or I prioritize it um, because maybe it's better than the advertisements I saw or whatever. Um, so I think that that's like a great part of doing this podcast and reading and listening to more content about the Academy and having a better understanding of how the Academy works and sort of what they like um, has influenced how I feel about it. I'm also just like so much more, like I said, emotionally invested. Um, This is now such like a cliche movie and probably a bad take, but I really wanted Coda to win last year and I really loved Coda. And I cried like a little girl when it when it won Best Picture. I thought the movie was so sweet and just like it meant so much to me that it was going to win. And I, you know, that's not an, a reaction that's maybe appropriate for something I have no control over. And I felt very similarly when Parasite won. I was like, we won. Like, we did it. Like, that's also how I felt. And I just think that's like a great part of making something that I was lightly interested in really like a big passion of mine and something that we get to talk about at least every month and uh, pretty much every day when we talk to each other. (laughs) I think that's well put. All right, let's do some rapid fire ones. What's your biggest hope out of the uh, award show on Sunday? Okay, so mine is uh, that Miles Teller and Glenn Powell get up on stage to perform Great Balls of Fire, a la Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper performing uh, Shallow in, from A Star so Is Born. Uh, but if I'm being for real, I want everything everywhere all at once to win Best Picture. But if I see Glenn Powell and Miles Teller up on the stage, I won't be mad. What about you? Um, I want Colin Farrell to win Best Actor. I'm not sure if he's going to be able to get past the the butlerism of it all this year, but... I really think he's so good, and uh, I would love to see him win Best Actor. Uh, Speaking of Austin Butler, what's your biggest fear? (laughs) So my biggest fear is that Austin Butler wins Best Actor. (laughs) You don't want to thank his mom and his daddy and his... Oh, God. I'm already dreading it. Um, (laughs) I'm sure the movie... It's on my watch list. I will watch it this week before the Academy Awards, I promise, but... um, The other fear that I really have is that everything everywhere all at once is going to start canceling itself out. That like their academy might look at it with like too much hype. And by the time, because they just started voting like last week or something like that. So they've watched all the award shows. They've watched like all the conversations about it. And I'm just like really afraid that the academy is going to do, is going to do the academy thing and is not going to award something that is like clearly so fun and good and talented or think that like oh it's I don't need to vote for it here because like it's gonna win over here and then everyone kind of does that and then it doesn't get as many awards also there's a lot of awards it's a lot of nominees for this movie so that makes me nervous that we're gonna see like a weird turning of the tides at the last minute just because it is really highly enjoyed and that sometimes doesn't bode well for the Oscars. 
Well, by sometimes we mean all the time in the last five years because um, here's who were the most nominated movies in the last few years in reverse order. So last year is The Power of the Dog had 12. Uh, Mank had 10. The Joker had 11. The Favorite and Roma had 10 as well. The Shape of Water had 13. So that's the last time that the most nominated film won Best Picture. Um, and even that one wasn't the like favored outcome in that one uh, or the predicted outcome rather so um, it's been a little odd but also all those movies that were favored instead such as you know Power of the Dog or 1917 um, or The Irishman are a very a specific kind of Oscar movie whereas everything everywhere all at once is definitely not that so um, it has more goodwill building up for it um, than those films did um, in years prior. The only good thing about Mank having so many nominations is that was the year that everything was on Zoom and we got to watch David Fincher take a shot every time he lost and then he was so hammered and I thought it was very funny. But your biggest fear is like the actual biggest fear. So what's your biggest fear? And this is a fear for not only just me personally, but like for the person involved is Andrea Wiseborough somehow winning Best Actress. Because if she wins, she's going to have all this like hatred spewed toward her. It's not her fault. Yes. I think that a lot of people, including me, are pulling for Michelle Yeoh to win. Even Kate Blanchett, it seems, is being like, please vote for Michelle Yeoh. Um, I already have my Oscars. Andrew Riseborough winning in what is seems like a very clear two-horse race between Blanchett and Yeoh uh, would be fucking wild. Speaking of Michelle Yeoh, let's move to our next category. And uh, the speech you're most highly anticipating, mine is Michelle Yeoh winning Best Actress. Um, I think... In her speeches leading up to it, uh, she's been charming, she's been winning, and she's been, I think her speech at the Golden Globes was great, but also um, I, I do know she's holding probably like a little bit of juice for that Best Actress uh, win. So I'd love to see that. What about you? Mine is um, for a category we haven't talked much about, and maybe this will be like a good chance to quickly talk about it. Um, I really want to see Steven Spielberg win Best Director. I think it's really the only shot that Fableman's like truly actually has of winning anything. Um, and I, it just would mean a lot. It's just, he is the one of the best directors of all time and specifically of our generation. And this is a return to like his great movies. And I really would love to see it. Um, the other nominees are Martin McDonough for Banshees of Inishirin, the Daniels for Everything Everywhere, uh, Steven Spielberg, of course, for the Fablemans, Todd Fields for Tar, and Ruben Osland for the Triangle of Sadness. What are your thoughts on directing? We haven't talked much about it. Obviously, all deserving nominees. Uh, would have been great to get Gina Prince Bythewood in there for the Woman King. Charlotte Wells would have loved to see her. That would have been sick. But that said, I think Steven Spielberg winning Best Director um, would be most likely to get like a real standing ovation. Um, oh, like great legacy moment for the oscars and like if top gun maverick isn't going to win anything like the closest thing we can get to like hollywood patting itself on its back and also shaking the hand of a legend is giving steven spielberg a best director oscar for a like really self-reflective biting heartfelt movie that was even I'm challenging for cry <laughs> i think that'd be a great moment he would also just take the take advantage of the moment too so um, it would be a good speech. He knows how to handle these moments. Like he is Hollywood's granddad at this point. He is uh, matriculated into that. So um, if you could give one nominee movie or person an Oscar, it would be blank for blank. What would that be? 
it would be Stephanie Shu for Best Actress. I really feel like she has no chance, unfortunately, but in a different world, I would give it to her immediately. What about you? Um, I, I mean, there's many, but I'll just, because we haven't talked about it as much and we've talked about Best Animated Feature a lot, really would like Turning Red to take that home because the competition is tight and also because that movie, again, only went to Disney+. Plus. And the movie fucking rules also. The movie rocks. I, I would love, um, you know, uh, you know, you could, then you can say Billie Eilish and Phineas kind of had a hand in an uh, Oscar winning movie. Um, yeah. Among the many other things that are great about Turning Red. So um, yeah. that's my selection. Lastly, before we uh, wrap up and get out of here, um, anything coming up this year? We didn't get to do our best anticipated or our most anticipated movies pod that we had scheduled, but is there anything coming up this year that you hope gets into an Oscars discussion? Uh, Amanda, this is where you can get your uh, Amanstradamus uh vibes going and kind of predict what's going to happen a year from now so uh you're doing a little jig and dance right now so why don't you get take it yeah so this is the i told you so section um my like my movie last year that i was like wow i really hope people talk about this was everything everywhere all at once um and then my other mention was nope which is being talked about because it didn't get any nominations (laughs) so i guess i also got my wish but i was looking through our our um our outline from last year and i was like girl nailed it look at you go yeah. um, meanwhile i was like don't worry darling <laughs> hey people talked about it but not in an oscar sense um, <laughs> um the movies that i want to see get some oscars discussion um next year is i want to see joaquin phoenix back doing Bo is afraid i think that that movie has a really good chance of being good um I also have a lot of pressure on it, so I hope it's good. Um, the Killer from David Fincher is coming out this year. It's Return to the Finch being real scary and creepy. Um, so I think that that could be a really good chance to have him back. I think people will really respect him and really enjoy him. So I'm hoping that it is enjoyed. I'm hoping that it's good. And I hope that we're talking about David Fincher like all next year. Um, another movie that... There isn't a lot of information about and there isn't even like a release date yet, but would be a really interesting conversation for Best Supporting Actress is a movie called The Nightingale. It's based off of a book um, by Kristen Hanna, and it's about two sisters living in France that are torn apart because of World War II. And the people playing the sisters are the Fanning sisters. So Dakota and Elle Fanning are going to be in this movie. And I think that that is going to make for a really interesting like conversation about the Oscars and about the two of them. And I just hope that it is really solid because I think that those are two wonderful actresses that I want to talk more about. Um, and then my big hot take, this is my like, if this is fucking wild. The, this is like, if don't look up can be best picture nominated, then why not this movie be nominated for something um is air and this is the the like jordan the air jordans movie that's coming out and the only reason i think it even has a shot is because there's so many fucking actors in it that one of them is bound to be nominated for best supporting actor there's so many people in this movie i think that there is just like a lot of movie or there's a lot of actors that people love and that are thought of when it comes to the Academy Awards. And as Viola Davis, maybe this is the the return. This is what she gets. Um, I think it's going to be goofy 
and I think it's gonna be fun. And I, uh, I hope we're talking about it for a whole year. It's rated R. It's gonna be fun. What are you hoping this year gets some Oscars buzz? Um, Dune Part Two, obviously. Um, I'm hoping it gets kind of like the Return of the King situation. Um, Across Spider Verse Part One. Um, which is the follow up to Into the Spider Verse, which roundly changed the animation game. Just look at Puss in Boots and look at the new Ninja Turtles uh, movie trailer that just came out this week. Um, another film that I'm excited about is Next Goal Wins, which is a Taika Waititi joint. And then lastly, mm. I um, am really intrigued about uh, Magazine Dreams, which is a Jonathan Majors vehicle. It you know Jonathan Majors like man of the moment. Uh, it's directed by Elijah Bynum, who. Uh, directed Hot Summer Nights a few years ago, which is that Timothy Chalamet like yeah. Cape Cod summer period piece. Yeah, I like that movie. Stylistically, um, it, it, like Elijah Bynum seems like a, a director and a filmmaker that kind of has some stuff to him, even if Hot Summer Nights isn't perfect. And um, I guess coming out of Sundance Magazine Dreams, everybody is thinking not a perfect film, but uh, I do think it's another Jonathan Majors performance that um, will catch some buzz. So. Uh, he's playing a bodybuilder, so he'll at least look fantastic. Jonathan Majors might be our best buff actor ever. Um, just considering, yeah, he's like, really the, chiseled. He's he's like looks like a just carved out of granite, and also is one of our best working actors today. So um, I'm really intrigued about that one, and I, I think if it's a movie that I think it's going to be, it'll be fun to see if that can get Majors maybe a an uh, an acting nomination. We did it. We talked about the Oscars. We did it. Shout out and thank you to all the people that submitted questions and their takes. Uh, yes. We appreciate you and your listenership. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We always appreciate it. And honestly, like Zach said, we thank you so much for submitting your questions and your takes and just being interested. Um, you can always find a new episode of the Blind Spotters podcast on the second Tuesday of the month. And this time, you don't have to wait very long at all. Um, our next movie swap is coming up on March 14th, where we swapped musicals. We're both very excited to talk about musicals um, for the month of March. You can follow the podcast on Instagram at BlindSpottersPod, on Twitter at BlindSpotters. Zach, if people want to find you on the internet, where can they find you? Find me on Twitter at ZachPocklib and also on Letterboxd. And you can also listen to the Anything But Fighting podcast, where I popped on with... Um, Jose Youngs and Joe Benavides to chat some more about the Oscars. So, so we have some wild takes over there as well. Amanda, where can people wish you a happy birthday? They can wish me a happy birthday anywhere on social media at Amanda Luberto. All right. Nice job, we guys. It. We did it. See you so, at the movies. Oscars. <laughs> like all, all hands in. One, two, three. Oscars. Oscars. <laughs> okay. Into a bagel. Bye. <laughs>